You are listening to Scale Your Joy with Kanisha Grayson, Episode 4, Icepocalypse Edition. Welcome to Scale Your Joy, the only podcast that teaches high achievers with heart how to craft a life and build a business focused on freedom, joy, self-expression, and social impact. I'm your host, Kanisha Grayson, a Harvard Business School and Harvard Kennedy School grad, author, essayist, and self-made entrepreneur. I did it and you can do it too. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I am recording this episode on Thursday, February 18th, 2021, and I am in the middle of a FEMA declared disaster. I'm in Austin, Texas, and I do not have running water. I do have electricity and heat, and I am so fortunate to have that. But ever since Monday morning, so I think that's February 15th, we've basically been living a apocalyptic style existence with inconsistent and unpredictable electricity, now a lack of running water, and I don't want to say ration food, that sounds a little more exaggerated or a little more dire than, than that, but go into a rationing food mindset maybe we are actually rationing food. So what happened? Valentine's Day was Sunday, February 14th. We woke up in the morning and it was, it had not yet snowed. It was just really cold and icy out. So one thing that happens in Texas is we'll have precipitation, we'll have rain, and then it will get really cold, and then we'll have sleet on the ground. And so it's really hard to drive or even walk because the road is like an ice rink. So even by Sunday afternoon, things had already started to close. Uh, Services were already starting to be canceled. And it was like, okay, well, the storm's coming. It's, It's dangerous to be out driving today. And then the storm is coming tomorrow. But like, we'll just have to stay inside for a day. But what ended up happening, at least in my experience, is we stayed in, Tyler and I, we made a lemon cake together. And I have to actually, I have to say, we made a box lemon cake, but we we made it Paula Deen style, which is where we switch out a lot of the ingredients for more rich, decadent, luxurious ingredients. So I can talk more about the lemon cake later because that's not the point. But we made a lemon cake stayed in cozy. And I think we, I don't know if it was that same night or the next day, but we made some more cute food. The next day we woke up and my dad told me you should boil water and put it in some thermoses so that you can have some hot water in case the power goes out. And I was very dismissive and just like, whatever, dad, we don't need to do that. We still have power. It's all good. And within minutes, our power had gone out and then our power stayed out for many hours. We now have power again, but And it has been holding steady for what I believe is the last 48 hours. Everything's kind of blending together for me. And it's been a wild adventure. So some of the things that have happened so far is that it has gotten so, so cold inside of people's apartments. I'm here in Austin, Texas. I'm living in an apartment. We all lost power for some number of hours, but then some apartments in my building their power got restored. And I was one of the fortunate ones whose apartment power did get restored. And so we were able to like reheat the apartment up. But there are 
other people whose power didn't get restored for much longer and their apartments got extremely cold. I think my apartment got down to about 55 degrees before our power got restored, but other people's apartments, you know, are as cold as 40 degrees or even lower. At 32 degrees is freezing. That's where water freezes. So anyway, other things that have happened is my beloved Tyler, he lives in a different apartment complex. We're not even sure what has happened because we haven't received much, really any communication really from his apartment building to know what has happened. But he has a lot of cameras in his place. He's like a tech guy and he has a lot of cameras all over his apartment. And he could see on the apartment that his apartment was flooding. So what likely happened is a pipe burst and water just flowed all through his living room and his bedroom. Last night, he was watching some of the footage and saw two men come into his house. They look like maintenance men and they I'm sure they're maintenance men. And they took pictures and used some sort of vacuum to vacuum up the water, but still no communication or very little communication from his apartment complex to actually know what happened. But he's super worried about basically having all of his earthly possessions ruined by either water damage or mold mildew damage. Other things that have happened is I haven't left the house. I haven't left the apartment since Sunday afternoon when Tyler and I tried to walk across the street to the grocery store and the ground was slippery, ice rink slippery. And I just don't have snowshoes, snow boots, hiking boots, whatever, the things you should wear in the snow and ice. I've only gone downstairs very, very slowly because the stairwell is icy to take Zadie to the dog park. Uh, Let's see, we have been living without running water at this point for 24 hours. My apartment is full of the water that we did have the foresight to save. So uh, we filled up the bathtub when the power first went out. So we have a bathtub full of water. We have every pot in the house is full of water. I have a prepper mentality. So when the pandemic began, I bought a large Berkey water filter which is like a high quality water filter. And so I that was full. So we have drinking water in the large Berkey filter. I had stocked up on a lot of water during the beginning of the pandemic, and I still had those big jugs of water. So, you know, we are now drinking that water. That is our water to drink is the water in the Berkey, the water that's randomly in pots around the house. Then we went under a boil water notice in some parts of Austin And it had not, I'm not sure that it had been declared for my part of Austin, but I knew deep inside, like that might mean that the water that I even have access to is no good without boiling. So we also have a lot of vessels all over the apartment full of water that says do not drink that we can use for flushing toilets. So uh, for those of you listening, you may be like, this is a really long introduction to the episode, but it is a really long introduction to the episode, but this is basically the episode. So we're not going to have a listener spotlight for today. It just seems 
incongruous to have some like really enthusiastic endorsement of the podcast alongside a FEMA declared disaster where people are dying. As far as I can see, it looks like 31 people have died so far in the U.S. because of this storm. I'm in Texas where things are the absolute worst, but other states have been affected as well. Just to give you an idea of the scope of this disaster, on Wednesday, more than two and a half million people were still without power in Texas. Two and a half million people. So, yeah, I know I'm kind of rambling here, but I just wanted to give you all a sense of what's going on. And the point of today's podcast episode is for you to listen to a conversation between myself and my bestie from Harvard Business School, Lysandra Rickards, talk a little bit about my experience in this disaster so far. So I think of the disaster as starting Sunday at, let's say, 10 a.m. So Valentine's Day, 10 a.m. Central Time, I think of that as the disaster start date is that's when it started being difficult to get to food, like we couldn't walk to the grocery store safely. And I am recording this now, Thursday, February 18th. So it's been all day Sunday. We still had power and water. Monday, we had water, but no power. Tuesday, we had power and running water. So that was our best day. But we were very scared, you know, that day that we would lose it. And then Wednesday, we had power, but we lost our water in the morning, but we had saved a lot of water already, thankfully. And now it's Thursday morning, and we have power, we have heat, but we don't have running water. And of course, we have less and less water as we use water to drink, as we use dirty-ish water or the boil water notice to flush. And y'all, we have done things like harvest snow and bank snow so that we if it gets that desperate, we can, you know, melt that and use that to wash ourselves with or flush the toilet. And hopefully it wouldn't get to this, but like boil that water, put it through the Berkey and drink the snow. So one thing I just want to say on this podcast episode is I'm giving You'll hear me speaking to Lissandra and giving some what I call millennial prepper tips. But please understand that, like, I don't have any authority or education, formal education in this area. I'm not certified. I don't know if you need to be certified to give out disaster preparedness advice. So please understand that whatever I share is just me sharing my personal experience and what I would advise, encourage people to think about doing not during a disaster, but before a disaster hits, because once the disaster hits, everything is 10 times harder, if not impossible to do. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation between me and Lysandra. To give you a little bit of context on who Lysandra is, she lives in her home country of Jamaica. She's currently located in Kingston, Jamaica, and she is the founder of Soul Career, which is an amazing coaching and executive coaching company for people transitioning between careers, people who want to transition out of their job into being an entrepreneur, for people who want to stay at the same job, but find more fulfillment in their job. So she's the founder of Soul Career, and she's the former chief entrepreneurship officer of the Branson Center of Entrepreneurship in Jamaica. And she's just a general badass. And she is one of my very closest best friends from 
my time at Harvard Business School. Lissandra and I are super close. We talk basically every weekday, Monday through Friday, and I asked her if we could turn today's morning call into a recorded call. And I wasn't even sure how I would use it. I thought, oh, maybe this will go in my documentary I'm going to make. But it became very clear that this was going to be a podcast episode. So this is just this morning, just had this conversation with Lissandra, our morning call Icepocalypse edition. I hope you enjoy. And I, A, I hope that you are actually safe and warm. I know that a lot of you, Texas is a very populous state and the other states affected have people in them. So if you are affected by this storm, you are probably listening to this weeks after the storm has happened and hopefully things are much better and not still in such a place of disarray. But I hope that you will listen to this episode and strongly consider researching how to be prepared in a disaster and actually take steps to be prepared. Listen to the advice that Lissandra and I give based on our experiences. Lissandra has lived through many hurricanes. I've lived through in Cuba, hurricanes, as well as in Ghana, power and water outages, and now this FEMA declared disaster in Texas, which is still ongoing. I really hope that you will learn from our experiences from what we did well, from what we wish we'd done better, as well as do some of your own independent research and make sure that you and your household, even if your household is just you and your dog, just you and your cat or you and your partner or you and your plants, you and your books, whatever your household is, and make sure that your household is prepared for a disaster, meaning that if you are unable to leave your home for two weeks and you have no power and no running water, that you would be able to survive. And you'll hear in the interview how important food is to me when it comes to weathering a disaster. I know I have introduced this interview about three times at this point, but now I'm really serious. Go ahead and listen to Lissandra and I have our morning call this morning. And please take action to keep yourself and your loved ones safe. Enjoy the interview and I will talk to you next week, hopefully. Um, oh, wait, we had some weird audio going on. Let me see. Okay. Is I it better now? I'm having some feedback. I wonder if it's my phone. I'm going to move my phone far away. I don't hear anything else now. It sounds really... It's. I think... Say something. Test, test, test. Yeah. You sound great. <laughs> awesome. Just for the record, I'm recording with Lissandra's permission. <laughs> yeah, so... Usually we start by just saying, what's top of mind? What are you thinking about? Yeah, today what's top of mind? Well, like I feel like I'm out of like red light thinking where I'm just like constantly scanning the environment looking for like what could go wrong. This is the question me and Tyler ask each other when, well, that I ask us and then we start asking each other whenever we start kind of relaxing is like, what can we do now that we'll wish we would have done when we had power? And that's just basically how I spent the last 48 hours, well, besides being asleep, is just like every single time I was like, okay, let's sit down and relax. I'd be like, no, what else can we do now that we'll wish we would have done when we had power? And like, I don't feel that I'm in that level of hypervigilance anymore. Tyler's still asleep. Zadie is here chilling. It's like, this is our new post-apocalyptic life. So like, let me just tell you about my day and how like, <laughs> I'm like, I have a new life. 
feel like in the morning around it's eight and around 9 a.m. My neighbor Alex is going to come by and take Zadie out to the dog park. She has a dog, too, named Syrup. So I think she's in her, I don't know, mid 20s, late 20s or something. And she lives alone. And I just kept checking up on her. And she sounded like, you know, like in good spirits. But I could tell like, wait, she's alone with no power. And she said that she was, you know, I'm eating, but like, I don't know what she said, but it was like, I'm eating, but not that much. Like, I'm okay. And I'm like, no. So I made her like a little care package of food and she really enjoyed it. And I think I told you this via voice memo, but she melted boiled snow. She harvested snow, boiled it so she could wash the dishes that I gave her and return them. And then she gave me some extra dishes and then we turned into a soup kitchen. How did she boil the snow? Did she have power to do that? Oh, yeah. So she didn't have power when we first started, when I gave her the food. But then she ate some food and I think she went back to sleep being like, I'm cold. And then the power in her part of the building, like, Lysandra, she lives in the same building as me, just literally a different part of the building. And that power came on in that part of the building. And she's like, yay. And yeah, so then she was able to boil snow. Okay. So, yeah. So she brought over, she asked me for my list of things I wanted and to see what she might have. And I asked for like cilantro, black pepper, tomatoes, tomato sauce, anything tomato-y because I have pasta and I also like salsa and I wanted to make some salsa. Uh, anyway, she ended up sending over some like gourmet, like she sent over like crushed fire roasted tomatoes and her black pepper. She sent over some dried cilantro, which I'm like, oh, I should always have that from now on. And then also sent over this like jar, unopened jar of like gourmet bruschetta topping. And it's so interesting how we, you know, millennials, we don't keep a lot of staples. We have like gourmet deluxe stuff. (laughs) My soup kitchen is a mix of like home cooking mama food, but also like really high end gourmet random ingredients that we need to eat before they go bad or eat while we have power. Yeah, well, as you know, I rarely have anything <laughs> stopped because I just don't like I, I, I everything spoils if I keep it too long because I don't cook that much, you know, yeah. I mostly order. So it's hard. It feels like a waste to me to stock up. But you are always telling me, what if there is an apocalypse? Yeah. <laughs> or even, I mean, what if there's a hurricane? What is well, we have time for that. You know, we have time okay. to prepare for that. Yeah. And yeah. and I mean, honestly, Lissandra, we had time to prepare. We, yeah. we had time to prepare for there being a storm and being trapped inside for like, let's say a day. We did nobody, no regular person who's not affiliated with utilities companies or the government knew, uh, anticipated or I don't want to say nobody, nobody I know anticipated we could be trapped inside for days on end. I did actually tell Tyler. Um, he came over on Friday night and I was looking at the weather and I told him on Saturday morning, I said, Hey Tyler, that storm's coming. Like I, you're not going to be able to drive home. You're going to get trapped here on Monday. It's going to snow. Like, should you go home? I think I said Saturday night, it would have still been okay to go home. And he was like, what? No, like, I'm not 
it's Valentine's Day. Like we're having our Valentine's Day. And then Sunday was Valentine's Day. And I remember now by we got into an argument because he wanted to drive to go pick up our food, like our Valentine's Day dinner from Central Market. And I was like, it is not safe enough to drive. And he's like, oh, it's safe enough to drive. And I'm like, well, if it's safe enough to drive in your logic, then it's safe enough for us to order, ask not order, but ask somebody to go get it like on favor or something. And he's like, and then he opened, you know, we're arguing and he wants to go. I don't want him to go. He opens up the favor app and favor has stopped delivery because it's not safe to drive. That was already Sunday at 1230 PM. But yeah, then by Monday morning, it was the beginning of the end. So what do you think are the basics that every millennial should have in their pantry in case of, you know, a, a blizzard or a hurricane? Like, what what do you mm. think you need to have? I know rice is a must. Well, <laughs> rice isn't even the number one thing. But that's funny they said every millennial because that's like such a cool question because <laughs> it's not about people. Okay, let's say every millennial who doesn't have kids because when you have kids, that makes everything more complex and more high risk. So I'm this advice is I would say for millennials living alone or with a partner or with roommates who don't have kids and maybe have pets. You know, I know this sounds silly and this is like a super millennial thing to say, but like pet food. Make sure you have I would say a month of pet food at all times. So like dogs, cats, lizards, snakes, whatever creatures you have that you love, like you need to have a month worth of their food stocked at all times. And if, you know, obviously people have money challenges and like don't have like pet food is not cheap, especially a lot of people feed their pets. I don't, but a lot of people feed their pets nicer food than they eat. Zadie eats like bougie dog food, but it's not like super, it, it's, it's something I can easily afford. And so because I am a millennial prepper, I already had a ton of dog food for Zadie. That was less about prepping and more about those bags are heavy and I don't want to keep going to the pet store to pick them up. But so that's the number one thing, not not number one, clearly you need to live. But like, that's one of the things people don't think about is they kind of do just in time with their pet food. And like that is, you do not want to be scrambling around and like scared for your pet that your pet is cold, scared, stressed, and they don't have their regular food or enough food. So that's a big one. Obviously, water. So this is where I was super prepared. When the pandemic started, I went into full on prepper mode. I joined like a prepper online community and just started trying to do as many of the things they said to do that I could do in an apartment. Like I can't buy a generator, right? And, and use it in an apartment, but I can stock up on water. So I started sheltering in place March 13th, 20, what year? What did we even start? Was it 2020? I'm so confused. Yeah. I start, <laughs> I started sheltering in place March 13th, 2020. And I stocked up on water big time. So I got big jugs of water and stored them and I've had them since March. Two of my huge jugs spoiled and that's where I messed up is not replacing those two huge jugs, but I still have four huge jugs of water. And then I also bought a really large high quality water filter called a Berkey. My understanding is I can put 
pretty low quality water in there and the Berkey will filter it out to safe drinking standards. Ideally, even if it was quote unquote low quality water, I would still boil it if I had power and put it in there. So we still had running water for Monday and we had running water on Tuesday and then our running water went out around 10 a.m. on Wednesday. But by then, my Berkey water was full. I bet that's like, I don't even know, 10 gallons of water. I had like four big jugs of water, which I think probably represented another 10 gallons of water. I had filled my bathtub up on Monday, I believe we did, with water. I had also filled all my biggest pots with water as well. And so humans can live weeks without food, but we will die in a matter of days, is my understanding, without water. So even more than pet food, you need water. I mentioned the pet food, though, first, because that's the thing people don't think about. And so for you, Lysandra, like, I guess there's a warning, but what if it's not a hurricane? What if, I don't know, can Jamaica get earthquakes? Like, what if it's something sudden, like an earthquake? And I've lived through very minor earthquakes, I believe three in California, and then one in Baltimore in 2011. Very, very light, minor ones that, you know, I you barely even feel. And you're like, was that an earthquake? But, like, earthquakes can happen in places where they don't usually happen. Yeah, we definitely, we're on a fault line for earthquakes. But before we even talk about earthquakes, I wanted to just... The rest of the list? Yeah. No, no, okay, no. Okay. I wanted to say that, as, you know, in a hurricane, the water system gets completely trashed, you know, and polluted with dirt and debris and so on. So water is like very standard. And in fact, we have jugs and jugs of five-gallon water. Everybody that I know in Jamaica has water at all times. We get water lock-offs during drought. We get water lock-offs during heavy rains, <laughs> you know. Mm. But to answer your question around the the earthquakes, yeah, we do. We, we are on a fault line. We definitely have, like, I've already w been through three tremors this year, you know. No. We, it's always shaking it's not i mean it's not you know you get used to it it's like if you're in california yeah. you get used to wildfires if you're in jamaica hurricanes and earthquakes <laughs> or the caribbean a lot of the countries are on the same fault line we're mm -hmm. on the same fault line as haiti and dominican republic and puerto rico and we're all in the same hurricane zone mm. but uh, in terms of disaster preparedness okay. and what to stock like okay. for me rice and canned meats is like key in in a disaster situation so what are your thoughts on that for sure so those are the things that i stocked up on and we actually haven't even started it on the canned meats because i had a good amount of frozen meat so and then also i know how to cook meat in a way that you feel like you're eating meat, but you're not eating a lot of meat. So it can spread really far and feed you for many meals or feed other people. So I agree. Basically, I think you should think of your pantry as food I can cook if I have power. Food I can eat. It might taste better if it's cooked, but food I can eat safely if I don't have power. Food I can cook if I have power and that could, if it sits out in room temperature for a few hours, is not going to make me really sick. For example, so yes, rice goes into that 
category of food, you know, uncooked rice millennials, y'all, not that frozen rice that's already cooked, but uncooked rice is great. We've been eating a lot of rice. So uncooked rice, uncooked dry beans and get a variety of beans and get a variety of rice so that you can have some variety. So like if you like a lot of takeout, you know, like get basmati rice, get jasmine rice. We haven't been eating basmati or jasmine rice, but I did um, get parboiled rice, which is that rice that's real separated because I like that. And now I'm so glad that like, ooh, I get a treat of parboiled rice, but get a variety of dried beans, pinto beans, black eyed peas, kidney beans, and then canned, like you said, Lissandra, canned meat. So I have canned salmon, canned sardines, canned chicken, tuna, canned tuna. I didn't buy too much tuna because I'm like... It's important for millennial preppers to buy stuff that you actually want to eat. So, like, I don't really like canned tuna, so I probably bought some, but I focus more on, like, canned chicken and, like, like canned salmon. Because I'm like, oh, I took a class, a cooking class once, and we used canned salmon to make, like, a cute salmon salad. Yes. So, I had, like, one thing I was willing to eat with the canned salmon, but I had already cooked that canned chicken a few times during shelter in place. So I knew that I liked it. I didn't restock that. The stuff, the canned chicken, fish, whatever that I have is from March, 2020. And now we're in February, 2021. I would also say a, a, a lot of spices, a lot of oregano. Your heaviest hitter besides is going to be kosher salt, fresh ground black pepper that you can crack out through like a little pepper grinder Garlic powder, not garlic salt, because that gives you too much sodium, but just garlic powder, onion powder. Like we have, I have used that so much in every meal I've made. It makes things tasty and it makes you feel like, I don't know, like it just tastes good. It makes things taste good. Yeah, I just want to jump in here because yeah. it reminds me of, so the biggest hurricane I've ever lived through actually happened when I was four years old, 1988, mm -hmm. September 1988 in Jamaica, mm. Hurricane Gilbert that hit Jamaica as a category four. We haven't been hit by anything stronger than that since then. And so, you know, the other hurricanes that we've been hit by have been very mild, <laughs> like category yeah. one, category two, which for us is like a storm, you you know, tropical storm. Yeah. And, but I remember, and there are so many stories from that year where we ate canned, you know, bully beef, what you call it in the US? Bully uh, beef. Maybe um, like shredded beef or like. No, it's like. I'll Google it. Yeah. <laughs> we ate bully beef and rice for months. I think Jamaica was without power for three months in 1988 and no running water for three months. So I have people who were here who were adults at the time because I was four. I don't remember much yeah. except I got sick of, like I cannot eat. It's corned beef, corned beef. I can't eat corned beef now at all. But you people, ate so much of it. Right. When I was four, you know, and then people would have to go to the river to sh shower because there was yeah. no running water for months and so on. And the way that we cooked with no electricity for three months was like a coal stove, you know, like a grill mm -hmm. and you put coal in it and you just had to do everything by a coal on the fire, which is crazy because it wasn't that long ago. But recently, my team in the British Virgin Islands got hit by Hurricane Irma, which was a Category 5, very mm -hmm. powerful. Mm -hmm. It was a very strong Category 5. Like, if there was a Category 
six, it would have been a category six. And they had no power in the British Virgin Islands for six months in 2017. Mm-hmm. And that is a very like a barter situation, rationing food, yep. joining very long lines for gas, kerosene and diesel because you have to live via, if you could get your hands on a generator, that was the biggest thing. And getting diesel for the generator, you waited four hours in a line to get diesel for your generator to have power two hours a day so you could charge stuff and connect with the world. And I remember that after it hit, there was no communications with BVI for three or four days. I had Mm. no idea what happened to my entrepreneurs, my team there for days because every cell tower was down. The only, Richard Branson had a satellite phone. So he called Virgin using a satellite phone and only people who had satellite phones could get any word out at all. It was total communications blackout. And that is something that in this day and age, it's so hard to prepare for that because they were stocked on food. They were stocked up on water. They had Some people had bought generators in anticipation of the storm, but no comms at all complete blackout for days that was like a shock to all of us who were trying to get in touch with people Mm. yeah that's that's some super relevant sharing i yeah thank you for sharing that this is super interesting i didn't know the numbers of category storms so when you said category five i'm just like okay five out of what 10 and yeah no it was five out of five okay wow like 200 mile per hour winds yeah no that's crazy so Yeah. So variety, right? Like you want to both in after disaster as a millennial, you want to survive, but you also want to like, I don't know, still enjoy eating. So yeah, a variety of dried rice, dried beans, canned meat, canned fish. But if it's in your budget, buy stuff you could see yourself wanting to actually eat. (laughs) <laughs> Definitely. Don't, don't buy the cheapest, cheapest stuff. Don't buy a bunch of stuff that you won't want to eat. Be like, oh, like, you know, I'm curious about spam. Let me get four cans of it, not like 22. Like, get a variety of things. Also, canned beans. So, canned beans are great because you don't need power to cook them. You can just literally open them with a can opener. So, you need to have a manual can opener and I would suggest having two. I went like berserk at the beginning of the pandemic and now I have like four can openers. Like I just couldn't stop buying them. (laughs) Um, But like canned beans, I have canned vegetables and I have not started thinking about eating them and they don't seem appealing to me. So I bought like canned collard greens, canned cabbage, like jarred beets, like real bougie, like (laughs) organic cooked jarred beets. Like I don't, those could be nice on a salad or made into some sort of cold salad with walnuts and like oil drizzled over it. Also oil, buying a good amount of olive oil. And if you use it while you're living your regular life, make sure you replenish it. So making sure you have a a big bottle of olive oil because olive oil can be used for cooking, but also used as a topping over food, as a salad dressing. If you have produce, instead of just watching your produce rot because you just like were a better person when you bought the produce than the person who's cooking. Like, that's what happens to me. I'm like, who is this vegetarian who bought all this produce? I don't want to eat this. Like, freeze your produce. Like, cut it up and put it in freezer bags and put it in the freezer. Like, some produce that people don't think about, but that makes a big difference, is 
dicing onions, bell peppers, and celery. You can dice it and keep it separate or dice it and keep it all together. And that makes a beautiful soup base with water. And, and so. Yeah. Well, I wanted to kind of move on from the food yeah, question. Sure. <laughs> this is my favorite part of prepping is the food and being like, I'm going to be able to eat. Yeah, yeah. Because you talked about freezing stuff and with no power, you were telling me the cool, really cool things you guys are doing to keep <laughs> things cold in a blizzard with no power. So what are some of those things? Yeah, for sure. So first, I just want to say that like, we, me and my close friends, my neighbors in this building, those of us who have had power more consistently, like we are the fortunate ones in this disaster. And I just want to acknowledge that there's a lot of people who have spent three full days without power. who have Including ISIS. Dan Rather. He's tweeting yeah, up a right. storm. Our <laughs> beloved Dan Rather. Yeah. yeah. He's like, people need to be held accountable, but first let's keep people safe. But yeah, he's he's doing the good work. Yeah, but there's people with icicles hanging from their ceiling fan. There's people with their fish tanks freezing over so when we didn't have power and my understanding is we didn't have power for about 24 hours the apartment got down it didn't actually get extremely cold it was uncomfortably cold but it was nothing like what people are dealing with so the apartment got down to about mm, at the very lowest maybe 55 degrees or that's horrible i can't imagine that (laughs) it was maybe it may have been low it was 55 degrees when we i don't know i think it was around 55 degrees and so things that we did when the I saw online that on Reddit, I think someone mentioned putting snow in a plastic bag to keep your food cold versus putting your food out in the snow. So in my sister's neighborhood, she lives in a neighborhood full of families. People started putting their food, you know, in containers out in the snow which is okay, but I had seen a headline. You know, millennials don't read the full article. We just look at the headline. And I saw a headline saying, don't just put your food out in the snow. You know, I didn't know why, but you're not supposed to just put it out in the snow. So instead, I brought the snow inside. So first, I went out and got snow and put it in plastic bags and put some of it in the freezer to help the freezer stay cold. And then I sent two of my my guy friend and his boyfriend came to stay with us because they didn't have power. So that's AJ from from HBS and his boyfriend. And so then I sent them out like on a snow harvesting mission. So we had snow on our balcony, but I'm like, that snow is easy to get to. We need to go get snow that's hard to get to in case later we can't get to snow. And this is our emergency (laughs) snow. Can you imagine having emergency snow? (laughs) And so they went out and filled every bag we had plastic bag, including my dog's old dog food bag. Like we don't throw bags away anymore, Lissandra. If I make beans, they come in a plastic bag. I cut it across the top and we keep the bag because we don't know when we're going to need that bag to give somebody two Oreos. Like, No, I I get that because Jamaica banned plastic bags in January 2019 because of the environment and the oceans and so on. And which is good. We banned plastic bags and straws. But looking, finding a plastic bag to preserve things or to share things, it's so hard. So we save like every plastic bag we come across, we have to save now. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. So I had already been one of those plastic bag savers because in Austin, we don't have plastic bags. You don't get them for free. You have to, you get them and they're reusable and that's good. But at this point, we're now saving the bags that food come in, especially if they have a zipper top. So my dog's dog food bag is like a really big bag with a zipper top. And so we filled that with snow. 
so that helped keep our freezer and refrigerator at a good temperature while we didn't have power. I also found a styrofoam cooler from when we were going to the beach. Once we got power, I cooked hot food and put it in there. That didn't end up being like the best idea because then it gives you a false sense of security and some of our food went bad because you can't just like leave hot food out for 24 hours and thinking it's going to be okay. I had made this really beautiful turkey soup before all this happened, just being like, oh, it's going to be cold this weekend. Let's have turkey soup and chili. So we had turkey soup and chili that we were preserving in thermoses and we were able to eat all the chili when we had no power. We just ate at room temperature over rice, me, Tyler, and then we had a couple friend staying with us, different couple at that time. Megan of the couple ate some chili over rice. We weren't dangerously cold, so we just like sat around or walked around being like, we're cold, sitting on the couch laughing about it. My apartment has all south-facing windows, which is really fortunate because that means we get all-day sun. So even without power, that little tiny bit of heat that you can get from just being facing the sun all day. But those were some of the things I, I can't well, remember. Well, I was listening to the New York Times, the daily podcast, yeah. and they interviewed someone in Austin or Houston, I forget. Mm-hmm. He said his apartment got to 20 yeah, ni- yeah. or 19 degrees and he had to wear every piece of clothing he had, plus his Arctic Circle jacket that he had gotten on for a hiking trip in the Arctic and and how cold he was. That's crazy. Which I was worried about that for you. That was my first thought because, first of all, cold and me we're not friends you know I like to be hot or warm so my first thought when I saw the power was out during a blizzard is oh my god is everybody cold you know and that was the first question I actually asked you it wasn't even about food like I cannot even function if I get too cold (laughs) yeah Tyler is the exact same way and it we had a real empathy gap there because he he's like you and really can't function below 60 degrees and (laughs) I was just like get it together (laughs) we gotta survive and he's like but I can't I can't function in this cold Mm -hmm. I I apparently have a much higher tolerance for cold than than he does and than you do but yeah uh, that level of cold is a tropical vacation to people like the interviewee whose apartments are getting down to I'd say anything below 50 is really starting to get uncomfortable and like below it's, it's starting to get uncomfortable. Below 40 is it, unbearable. Yeah, for pets, you know, the guideline for pets is pets should not sleep outside if it's below, if it's 40 or below uh, little pets. Because Zadie likes to sleep outside sometimes. And we always check the temperature, to make sure it's not going to get below 40. Yeah. Am I freezing 32 degrees? Yeah. Yeah. And then people were going in their cars to try to get warm. That's how the guy that was interviewed by the New York Times did his interview in his car to get power to his phone. A lot of people are doing that. Yeah. Right. But then some people left the car running in a garage to get warm and died of carbon monoxide poisoning, which is crazy. Yeah, do not sit in your car in an unvented place to get warm. You cannot smell carbon monoxide for, you know, one minute you're nice and warm, next minute you're dead. Like, so it's very, very dangerous. I actually saw in my apartment garage, there was two people, a male and a female in their 20s, sitting in the garage with their car on and 
I walked past them and I saw them watching me. I was looking, I was wandering the garage looking for my friends who were coming to stay with us, AJ and George. And I tried to approach the vehicle, but they looked scared of me. Not kind of, Mm. they looked really scared of me. And, you know, as a black person, I always have to be like, okay, you know, like some, some white people going to be scared of you. And then also because there were reports of people experiencing homelessness getting into the building, maybe they thought I was homeless. I don't know. I decided not to approach them. I wanted to approach them and be like, y'all need to stop, get out, don't die. But I was like, I don't know how to get that message to them. I guess I could have pantomimed it, but I would have just looked so crazy and they would have just thought I was crazy. They didn't die because we would have heard about it, but that's very dangerous. Don't. And what Tyler told me was like, Kanisha, you're trying to warn them. You were in danger if they had been sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm over here trying to warn them and I'm in danger. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and then the other thing, it's not just about getting warm, but about getting power, charging stuff. So that's the thing that was as I mentioned in the British Virgin Islands story after Hurricane Irma, the lack of power for yeah. days and months and not being able to connect and communicate with the outside world. Like, were you worried about that when you lost power, that your phone would die and you would lose all entertainment and all communication during this really hard time? Not very worried about it. I come from a family of battery-loving people so (laughs) if the cell phone towers had gone they did actually become a it became harder to make calls and send text messages but it never became impossible so I I, I never got to that level of concern I was at first concerned about oh I need to like not be using my phone because it's gonna die and I gotta really be conservative with my power usage but then Tyler reminded me that I had a power core like a charging brick or whatever they're called so what millennial preppers what i have is a 46 dollar charging thing it's it's called anker a n k e r power core 20 it's a 100 i don't even know what these letters mean m a h and megawatt hours i don't know that's not what that means portable charger ultra high capacity power bank tyler told me that it could charge my phone for about 10 days so mm-hmm. i fig- i figured I can get within 10 days, I can get to some electricity to recharge that. So that's great. mm -hmm, So you should have one of those $46 to not be worried about your phone. Super easy. You just, it's, it's like a phone in that it has little, you know, just little USB C or USB ports and you just plug it into your phone and it charges your phone. So you got to charge the thing in the first place and keep it charged and then charge your phone. So just having that was big and then it being charged. And then Tyler also had his and just has his on him all the time. Also, light. I have a lot of candles. I have a lighter stick. I also have spaghetti noodles, which can be lit and used as matches. And I had those spaghetti noodles for eating and specifically to serve as emergency matches. And then Tyler had bought me like a real fancy, like high capacity, like $100 flashlight. I don't remember what it's called, but like it's a rechargeable flashlight that I always keep as much as possible on its charging port. So when our power went out, it wasn't on its charging port because Tyler had used it that night before to take Zadie out. And it's fine because it's not like it was dying overnight, but like that was, you know, the 10 minutes he was using it is 10 minutes less of power that we could have had if we never restored power. But Tyler also always carries a lot of like LED flashlights. He had 
two on him, like just in his backpack when he came over to my house, just being like, that's just the way I live my life. I give myself a demerit because my dad always tells me to have flashlights and batteries. And if I didn't have the flashlight Tyler gave me for my prepper Christmas present, I wouldn't have had any flashlights. I would have only had candles. And we've used those flashlights a lot. Yeah, that's really important for hurricane prep too. Having a source of light and having the LED lanterns, LED flashlights. Back in the day when I was younger, we had those kerosene oil lamps, you know, mm-hmm. home sweet home lamps. And every we had rolling blackouts a lot in Jamaica in the 90s when I was in like a kid in school. And so every night from 6 to 10 p.m., the light would go out for load shedding of the electrical grid because mm-hmm. our grid was very unstable at that time and so I remember just studying and reading by these home sweet home kerosene lamps <laughs> mm, <laughs> two other good. things before I have to go like one is you know the other way this reminds me of a hurricane or the the thing that I remember from 2017 with Hurricane Irma hitting BBI and Hurricane Maria hitting Puerto Rico my friend in Puerto Rico all the roads were blocked by debris, downed trees, down power lines. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to get out to Miami because he owned an apartment in Miami and he just couldn't exist in the conditions that existed in Puerto Rico after Maria. So he he's an avid cyclist. So he mm-hmm. got on his bicycle and cycled 20, 30 miles to the airport with a machete to chop through the trees to clear his path to get Mm. to the airport and try to get on a plane. So that is an extreme version of your friends who are staying with you going to Target (laughs) in the snowstorm. But tell us that story. Yeah. Yeah, So so it's not that anyone has had to go anywhere while it's actually storming. And when I say storm, this amount of snow, Lissandra, would have been a, a random Tuesday in Boston for us. Yeah, when we were living there. The problem is not that, that that snow happened. The problem is that our infrastructure is is not at all equipped for this and we're experiencing a severe lack of good governance. So this isn't like, oh, Texans are freaking out cuz of 4 inches of snow. It's like Texans are freaking out cuz we don't have power, running water and we're not able to leave our homes safely even on foot because uh, most of the roads are not salted, gridded, shoveled, whatever. AJ and George have, I believe, a Subaru. I guess that has four-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, whatever. So they more confidently can drive to places. So they drove to Target and picked up stuff for themselves and for us. We we actually live in walking distance to Target. And on Sunday, before the storm, Tyler really wanted to walk to Sprouts. And I did, too. We took about 10 steps, and it was walking. It was like walking on an ice rink. And I was wearing... Nikes and Tyler is wearing New Balance and those are not or at least the Nikes and New Balances we are wearing are not for walking on ice no grip and so we were slipping and sliding and I'm like I do not want to fall and break a bone during this disaster so I made us not go and Tyler wasn't happy about that we wanted to go to the grocery store but the next day AJ and George were able to go to Target and get some more stuff for us but I just want to emphasize that like at the level of preparedness I was nothing I've received from a neighbor, nothing, and nothing that I've received from AJ and George's very generous target run for us 
has been something we needed, that we absolutely needed. It's all been luxury items, like more of something we already had, more candles, more matches, whatever. And so I just would really urge people to know that like a disaster like this can happen. It could be an earth. It doesn't even matter necessarily what the nature of the disaster is. The end game is, can you survive inside your home without running water or electricity for two consecutive weeks? Like whether that's an earthquake, a snowstorm, heavy rain, flooding, whatever it is, and you cannot leave your house. So that means not waiting until your medicines are down to the very last pill, which is a really bad habit that Tyler and I both have. Like not doing just-in-time food for yourself or your pets, making sure you have lots of water, candles. The what my biggest thing I wish we'd had was a camping stove and the fuel to like a little cute camping stove and like the fuel to operate it because we have a balcony so we could have cooked out on our balcony the first day we had no power our couple friends who were staying with us from the building Megan and Ethan who who didn't have power nor south-facing windows so their apartment was super cold they came over and Ethan brought the camper stove to heat up water so we all had like hot coffee (laughs) hot oat milk it was very millennial prepper yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really important point because I guess the, my question was around getting around oh, when oh, the roads are impassable and trying to get somewhere to get help if you need it, you know, where my friend in Puerto Rico went through a lot to get to the airport to get out. And then I remembered your story of your friend AJ and his partner driving in the, after the blizzard into the snow, in the snow though, that was yeah, still on the road on the too. Yeah to Target and waiting for an hour just to get inside Target because of how overrun it was. So it was, it's more like the logistics because a lot of people don't prep because they think, well, I'll be able to get out and get food and so on if, if something happens. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying the question. That's not how it works. No, you do not want to be one of the people who is desperately trying to get to some sort of grocery store because who works at grocery stores? People. So if you are having trouble leaving your house, so are the people who work at those stores. Not just essential workers. They are actual heroes. The people who, I know some of them don't like to be called that, but who put their lives at risk in order to make sure people have access to food and water. That means a lot. And like, I just want to thank Target and HEB because we've relied on, on them during this time. And HEB, HEB is FEMA in Texas, basically. So that's our grocery store chain, our beloved grocery store chain. But I wish that I had proper snow boots, like hiking boots or boots that have good grip. Of course, we had them when we lived in Boston, but I don't know I where mine are. I wish I had them so I could at least walk to the grocery store. Lissandra, a real plan, a possible plan was to walk four miles in the snow and ice to my dad's house because he has power and had running water up until last night. But you really can't do that safely in tennis shoes. Tyler has chains for his car. Chains are kind of think of them as like a chain net that goes around your tire that allows you to grind through ice so you can drive on it. And but his chains were up at the house he owns in Pflugerville, but he doesn't live there. His tenant lives there. So we didn't have chain. We could have put those chains on his tires and we would have been able to get around. So having, you know, they weigh a lot, like 100 pounds. But like having chains 
for your car or just having a car with all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive and knowing how to use, properly use and drive the all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive, this is one of the bougiest things I'm going to say <laughs> today. You know, I'd be saying bougie things, but like I, after this, I, I believe I'm going to buy myself a, a car that has four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive and learn to drive it because I'm just like, Okay, I am fortunate enough to be able to spend thirty, forty thousand dollars on a second car, and you can live in that car if you need to. Well, not during these, not if it's cold. Whatever. It's just, it. I don't feel desperate because I'm so well prepared in my home. But some of my neighbors who are in a similar situation, transportation wise, as me, are not prepared water wise or food wise. So at least with AJ and George, they didn't have a lot of food and water, but they had that good car that they could easily get to food and water. But you should never assume you'll just be able to pop over to the store because it may be dangerous to get out due to flooding, due to torrential rain, hurricane, whatever. So don't assume you'll be able to get out and don't assume that once you get to the store, you'll be able to get in. The line may get cut off or the store may close while you're still waiting in line. And also don't assume that once you get in, that what you need will be there. From AJ and George, they said that Target did an amazing job of bringing the, of only letting in a few people at a time so it didn't feel frenzied and so that people could socially distance while they were shopping. Uh, and just think about how complex this is also happening during a pandemic. And they also said everyone was really friendly and helpful. They were so impressed with, with the Target in our neighborhood. So yeah, like I just wish I'd had boots and I wished... I had a different car. I love I love my Honda Fit, but I wish I also had a car like a Subaru, maybe a Honda CRV that could drive in these conditions. And yeah, these conditions don't happen often, but when they happen, it's it feels really important or sometimes even dire. Yeah, definitely. I think in a hurricane prone region or earthquake prone region, it's, you know, gosh, when I think back to the hurricanes, etc., and making roads passable with down trees and all of that, it's sometimes it's just not possible. I think my team member in the BVI, it took her days to be able to clear a path to leave her house, you know, which is crazy. So, yeah, it's just thinking about how do you get out in a disaster situation? And I was thinking about your comment about the during a pandemic and really preparing for hurricane season coming up in the Caribbean. What I think the disaster trumps the pandemic, you know, in that situation. Oh, Survival yeah. would trump the pandemic. So yeah, I think all memory of distancing would flee everyone's minds if it's like a survival question. Post so it doesn't actually, yeah, it doesn't a hundred percent flee your mind, but it definitely the barrier gets way lowered. So, for example, AJ is one of my closest friends in life, and one of my closest friends in Austin. He lives, Lissandra, in the building complex, not the same complex, but the complex next door to me. He had never been in my apartment and I've been here for over a year because of he'd never been here because of social distancing and the pandemic and because I'm I shelter in place and very strictly. And when he lost power in his place, I was like, come on over, just wear a mask. 
So the it, it he had never even been in my apartment. So him and George came over and they stayed in mass the whole time. And me and Tyler stayed in mass the whole time. And then for my little mini soup kitchen that I'm running with Tyler. Well, wait, before you get there, yeah. that's actually my last question is around this sense of community that a disaster creates, you know, and how mm-hmm. important because I think Americans are very unique in their self-reliance and individuality and self-made, whereas in the Caribbean, community support and relying on neighbors and so on is really important because we live in scarcity. We have had decades mm. of scarcity. So, mm-hmm. and we can't depend on the government to save us. Like, no one expects the government to save you in a disaster in a region where government resources are very scarce. So, it's really the community that comes together and saves each other, you know? Yeah. And you created a community coming out of the storm in Austin. So, let's end on that. How okay. did you do that? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I can't take credit for creating the community, actually. So, Alex, who I mentioned earlier, who is, you know, was weathering this basically alone. She started a dog park fam WhatsApp group of all of us who have dogs and hang out at the dog park in the building. And she asked if I wanted to be added to it. And I said, no, (laughs) I was like, you know, I was kind of like, I need to keep my tribe pretty small, my survival tribe. It's me, Tyler, AJ and George. And then I'll also you know, I didn't invite her at first to join us. I was just more like, I want to make sure Alex has food. And then also down the hall, Sarah, Zadie's dog sitter. And I, you know, I want to make sure Sarah has food. But as far as anyone else coming into the unit, like, no, no, no. So she actually created it, asked if I wanted to join. I was like, no. So they were all helping each other out before I entered the picture. But then, you know, I just... I just was, you know, feeding Alex and just looking at all this food. I'm like, we have all this food and I people are hungry. So I posted last night in the WhatsApp group that I could spare three servings of black eyed peas and rice. And I explained, you know, what black eyed peas taste like and describe what they taste like, just in case people hadn't had them before. And I'm glad I did because nobody, <laughs> many people had not had them before. And Lissandra, within five minutes, there was someone at my door without a mask on a young man like in his 20s and I'm like hello and he's like hey is Ashley here and I'm like uh no and he like steps forward as if he's trying to come in and I'm like what is happening and he's like oh I'm here for some food and I'm like who are you and he's like I live in the building I'm Ashley's friend and Ashley is one of my neighbors and he's like she said you had food and and like he was smiling I was smiling but like I felt a little bit of that like desperation of like oh my gosh like people are like hungry he turned out to be Vinny and so uh, very friendly and very happy to to share whatever he had uh, to, in, in exchange. And it didn't need to be an exchange, but I think people really want it to be an exchange. So now it's turned into like a little mini soup kitchen. I, I don't mean to use that word as if to say like, oh, they'd be starving without us, but more like because we're making soup in the kitchen. And <laughs> so, yeah, last night it was black eyed peas and we gave out three servings to people. And then last night I made a casserole of pasta, like a no-boil casserole. So I just put like penne pasta that we had already. And then I had leftover mozzarella cheese. Cheese, shredded cheese or cheese freezes really well. So that's a thing to know millennial preppers. So then I just used some mozzarella cheese and topped it and used all my little little herbs and spices. And it came out really lovely. So that is about three times it's about 20 servings and I'll probably give out 
I don't know, maybe a third of that. So like, oh, but seven, I'll probably give out seven servings today. And then I have the ingredients to make pancakes and Ashley donated syrup. I already had the pancake mix, just add water. And so we will use that and then I'll use Ashley syrup. And then I have blueberries myself. And then also Shakita said that she could donate blueberries. So I think this morning we're going to have blueberry pancakes. So it, <laughs> we have a, I didn't think I wanted to be a cafeteria lady when I grew up, but I'm actually having a blast with this part of it. So I don't want to take right. Care. So it comes back to I love how you go into so much detail about the food because <laughs> I ask a question about community and it turns back into the food. So, but to bring it back to the community yeah. aspect of it, so you're from what you're saying, the community is centered around the food, is what you're saying. From my experience of the community is centered around the food. I'd say other experiences of the community are also we have an online app that we use that the, the building has us use. And so it started when I, I was really resistant to joining it, just being like, this looks silly. We're uh, the social media for the building. That's dumb. I did join it and I'm really glad I'm on there and I see how valuable it is. So, and I've seen the membership of it grow from about a hundred residents to over 200, even just in the last 24 hours. And so it's a great, it's just a, a continuous kind of Facebook stream. You can, it's, it's like Facebook where you can write a status and then people can react to it. Interestingly enough, they only give you positive reaction emojis and then people can comment below your status. So people are posting things like, hey, be careful, make sure your doors are locked. Somebody experiencing homelessness was like in my apartment squatting when I came back to my apartment. People just asking questions like, is there power in this part of the building? Because some people have left the building to go to places with power. Does anyone have this? Does anyone have that? So I actually have not been posting my food available in the big group, I feel like I would get overwhelmed. I've been posting it in the 14-member dog park group. But Vinny is an example of a person who, you know, was in need of food. I don't know that he was, like, starving or anything like that. Maybe he just wanted a hot meal. He's not in the dog park group, but he just heard about it through the grapevine and came by. He was the first person to come by for food. So my experience of the community has been definitely around food, feeding AJ and George they they could eat themselves, but just making sure that we have hot food, make, keeping my beloved Tyler, you know, full of hot food and, and comforting myself with little treats. Like Tyler and I made a lemon cake as our Valentine's night since we were iced in and we ate the last two slices of lemon cake last night being like, it's a snowpocalypse and a pandemic and we're eating lemon cake and we're like, yep. And, you know, a cute note to end on, Lissandra, is I kept all the crumbs from the lemon cake, like, I probably have about a one-eighth a cup of crumbs, not from our plates, but from, like, the pan. And then I'm going to keep those in order to sprinkle on top of the blueberry pan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really cute. And I think this whole podcast? <laughs> yeah, I think this is going to end up as a podcast. This is going to end up as a podcast episode for sure. Yeah, this whole episode has been me trying to pull you away from talking about the food and you going <laughs> back to the food. And that just shows, you know, it's very interesting for me to think about it because in disasters that I've been in, the food is just for survival. You know, it's an afterthought. So you just eat whatever is available and really your thought is on 
communication, community, you know, being with people and getting electricity is a bigger thought than food or the quality of the food or the pleasure in the food mm. for me, you know? So, so I just rice and tuna every day for mm-hmm. weeks is fine. <laughs> no, so it's very interesting that you have a completely different view on that. For sure. I think it helps to keep morale up, you know, that people are able to be like, oh, I get black eyed peas and rice and I get two Oreo thins, you know, (laughs) like it's just like you. I don't know. I lived in Cuba for four months and arrived days after Hurricane Charlie and weathered Hurricane Ivan. I lived in Ghana for a year where we went days and days without running water, electricity and those little treats, they really help to keep your spirits up because I know I'm going to survive this. I know the, the temperatures for me are not to that kind of freezing level. And if it does get to that freezing level, I know I can get to a warming center. So the city, one thing the city has done well, I think the city is doing it. Maybe it's actually just individual organizations is there are warming centers all over the city. So they're like big places where you can just come and get get warm and sit down or stand up and try and be socially distanced. So yeah, the people part matters to me, but we really can't have that many people in our home. So now it's just me and Tyler again, and we wear masks when people come to the door and hand food through the door and it lets in so much cold air and like messes up our like heat seal. But that's our sacrifice or whatever that we've decided to make, which is a tiny sacrifice compared to the people trying to survive inside their own homes and frozen. So yeah, the, the community aspect matters a lot to me, communicating all that. The reason I haven't talked about it much is I just haven't had that much trouble. I've been in constant contact with you in another country, you know, via WhatsApp every day. I've been able to be in contact with my college girlfriends via WhatsApp. I've been able to talk to my dad and my sister via text messaging. So the fact that that infrastructure hasn't gone down makes me kind of take it for granted so that I'm able to worry about higher order Maslow's hierarchy of needs like food, like deluxe, delicious food. And (laughs) I think some of the people who are going to eat out of Kanisha's kitchen will be eating better than they would be eating even if it wasn't a disaster. (laughs) I'm sure that's true. So, okay, Kanisha, well, I got to go. I have a call. So, yeah. I Thank you. Turned this into a really podcast good. episode. Yeah, I'm gonna totally turn this into a podcast <laughs> episode. And thanks for letting me ambush you with a. Just for everyone listening, me and Lissandra talk basically every morning. Yeah, every weekday morning for about an hour. And I was like, Lissandra, I, I want to make a documentary or do something and tell people's story and tell my story. Can we record the call? And she's like, um, okay. <laughs> so just thank you for letting us turn our morning call into a podcast episode. Even if I do nothing else with the storytelling, I'm really happy that we did this. Yeah, this was really fun. And now I really have a greater appreciation for how much you think about and love food. (laughs) I do. Okay, Kanisha, bye. All right, bye, Lissandra. To celebrate the launch of the show, I'm giving away a Scale Your Joy audiobook ebook bundle. These are five hand-picked books that I have read and I love. They're about life, joy, and entrepreneurship. And five lucky listeners will be chosen to win. The way you enter is you subscribe, rate, and review Scale Your Joy on Apple Podcasts. It doesn't have to be a five-star review, although I sure hope you're loving the show. I want your honest feedback so I can create an amazing show that provides tons of value. 
Visit scaleyourjoy.com slash welcome to learn more about the contest and how to enter. I'll be announcing the winners on the show in episode 11.